you know, I have not walked this out perfectly. That's why I'm preaching on this. I'm being real and raw with you. Years ago, when that phrase struck my heart, it was the beginning of a journey of desire for purity. A journey. We're all on a journey. When we desire purity in an area of our hearts, we are awakened to what we were once blind to, right? Do you desire purity in the area of bitterness in your heart? To never be offended by anyone for as long as you live. And I started asking the Lord, is that even really possible for a human? Is it really possible? And he took me to Romans 5, and I don't have it on the screen, but he said this over me. I created you to reign in life. I created you to reign in righteousness. That is possible for me through Jesus. So being offended or even bothered and letting that botheredness sit in my heart, even by small things, and letting that fester in my heart, that doesn't have to be a normal part of my life. That doesn't have to become something I'm used to being a daily thing. I don't want to accept anything not Christ-like as normal. So anything that's not who he made me to be, that's not normal for me. And that's not normal for you. I have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. As a Christ follower, it's no longer normal for you to let things get under your skin. It's not normal for you to have a chip on your shoulder, to rock around carrying something, not anything. We are new creations. And we cannot walk with botheredness that makes us look just like the world. We live in a society that's addicted to botheredness, addicted to being offended. And Christ lived a life completely free from that. He came to demonstrate. He chose not to sin, even though he had every opportunity to be offended. And you could do a study on that. I've done that before, where I looked, what really must it have been like for him to grow up in Nazareth, where they knew Mary, and they knew her situation? What must it have been like to be the son of the one who bore an illegitimate child in their eyes? There's so many opportunities he had to be offended with his own disciples by the questions they asked, the way they acted toward him. There were so many opportunities, but he chose not to sin. He had a human mind. He has. He has a human body, a human heart, a human will, human emotions. And he lived victoriously as the son of the Most High God, in the flesh, the deity in the flesh, yet fully human. He came to demonstrate that a person filled with the Spirit of God doesn't have to sin. Wow. Walking in the power of the Spirit gives us, gives us the ability to reject the invitations to, to be bitter. The invitation Satan's going to throw at us all day. We can reign in life. Because of, the, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can reign in life. Because of what we were singing this morning, we can reign. 
And there's never a justification for bitterness in the garden of your heart. That's the picture the Lord gave me this week. Your heart is a garden. There's never a justification. It's when you know you've started to get bitter, you're starting to justify those reasons that you're angry. If you walk through your week, anytime I start to walk through my week and the Holy Spirit will highlight sometimes to me, you're justifying your botheredness in your mind right now. That's when you know bitterness is there. And you are the gardener of your own heart with the Holy Spirit, the, the, the greatest landscaper, right? You are the gardener. He's the one guiding you. Your heart is what you tend. And I remember the first time that I came to Spring as a college student, Pastor Steve was preaching on forgiveness. And I... I thought, well, this is good. I mean, I had had a whole year, the prior year, I'd had somebody that hurt me really badly. And the Lord had done such awesome things. He'd he'd spoken such beautiful words over me through his word. And I thought, wow, he's speaking on forgiveness. I'm good. And then right after I thought that thought, he said, now some of you are checking out already because you're thinking, I'm good. Oh, I, oh, forgiveness. I'm good. I can just sit here and enjoy this thing. And he said, but let me, I want to redefine unforgiveness for you. It can be as subtle as harboring criticism and cynicism in your heart towards someone. When this person comes to your mind, what are your thoughts? If you don't deal with that cynicism that you've accepted as normal, when you close your eyes to worship, it poisons your time. And we know that's true because in Matthew 5, Jesus said, when you bring an offering to God on the altar, when you come before the Lord to bless him, and you remember an offense, you go and you make it right. And Phil, thank you so much. You didn't even know I was going to speak on this, I don't think, that you, we've already been prepared already during the worship to purify our hearts of offenses. And Jesus said, you go before you bring that offering to the Lord and you make it right with a brother or sister because you don't let any situation create hardness in your heart. And that was a reset moment for me. Now, I didn't come back to Spring for a year <laughs> after that. There were some other things that freaked me out. I mean, I was raised in a pretty traditional setting. So imagine my... There were flags. I loved it in a way, but it, it intimidated me. Now it's like my, my favorite thing, the flags. But my eyes were open to what Jesus was actually talking about in Matthew 5, right? When he said, very seriously, anger is very serious to him. When he was opening their eyes to the state of the inner man, to the state of the heart, And he was saying, check the inward parts of your heart. I'm not just concerned with your outward actions. I'm concerned with the state of your heart. What's going on inside your heart? Even if you are saying, looking at somebody and saying, how dare they? What a fool. In your heart, Jesus said, that is a spirit of murder. Can you imagine the jaw dropping going on during that sermon? What is he talking about? He was talking about the purity of our hearts. 
and the progression when that's left unchecked. A progression that can take me all the way to a level of hate that would be the same as a murderer. When we leave our offenses unchecked, if there's something that's happened in your life that has left you bothered and angry every time it comes to your mind, for some of us, even our heart rate will rise when we think of it. That is unchecked anger. And that's offense, and that's the soil for bitterness. That's the soil for a root that you do not want in you. And this is really important for me to say anytime that we're talking about forgiveness. Your forgiveness of a person is not you endorsing what they did to you. And I believe that's one of the things that keeps people from fully forgiving, fully releasing, because of the thinking that if I forgive, I'm somehow saying what you did to me was okay. And I'm endorsing that in my heart. And that's not true. Forgiveness is me aligning myself with what God values. I'm, I'm choosing obedience. When I forgive, I'm walking, I'm posturing my heart to live like Jesus lived. It's me choosing real freedom for me. Forgiving because I've been forgiven of much. But it's not, and this is important, forgiveness is not continuing to allow myself to be physically or emotionally abused. And if you're in that situation, we ask that you would reach out for help. We are not asking you to forgive and continue being abused. I take care of the own, my own soil. I obey the Lord in my heart and I gain freedom in my heart. But I also walk in wisdom and healthy boundaries with others. And that's why we have family here available if you're in that situation. But I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12. And the phrase that has been going through my mind for the last few months is found in verse 15. This is an invitation for us to have purity in this area. In fact, the whole of Hebrews 12, if you want to read it this week, the whole of Hebrews 12 is an invitation to purity and an understanding of the discipline of the Lord. And the last verse is, he's a consuming fire. If my God is a consuming fire, he can burn out anything that doesn't belong. And he will. That's what we want. Let's start in verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That word bitterness comes from the, the, a Greek word that is also used in Acts chapter 8 that describes extreme wickedness, iniquity, the gall. It's described as the gall of bitterness. It's a, an iniquitous word. It's something that's unseen and festering. And some translations of Hebrew chapter 12 say this, look diligently that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. So there's a diligence that we, this is part of how we position ourselves. I position myself in diligence in this area. There's a diligence. I want to see if there's a bitter root, and I want to reset. I want to uproot that, 
and I want to resist it in my heart. Bitterness isn't something that I maybe naturally detect because it's not often something that we act out on all the time. And that's why I think the writer of Hebrews used the word root. Roots are unseen in the garden. A root of bitterness is so easily hidden, but even a bit of it, even a tiny root is deadly. And it's easy and natural for us. We have to understand how natural it is for humans to pick up offenses in daily life. It's easy. It's natural. We feel justified in it. And in verse 15, it says this, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. I want to look at these areas of trouble that that bitterness causes. I think it's interesting that the only other place in the whole in the whole New Testament that that word trouble, that exact word appears, is in Luke chapter 6 when it says many people were coming to Jesus for healing and those who were troubled by unclean spirits were coming to him to be set free. A root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and torment. Here's the tr- some of the trouble that it causes. First, physical. Physical and emotional trouble. Lonnie and Jan, I know that you've seen in the healing rooms that one of the main causes of sickness is unforgiveness. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. When I talk about the physical effects of bitterness, I'm not saying every sickness is caused by bitterness. But harbored harbored bitterness causes sickness to a degree that in most medical journals... Unforgiveness is classified as a disease. We've got to hear that. We've got to hear that medically, the medical field has discovered that unforgiveness is deadly. Researchers are calling it a disease. I don't know about you, but I don't want any of my emotional choices to determine my level of health. We have so many other things that are coming at us in the area of health. If there's something that, that in my emotional choice, I can make a choice to change, to obey the Lord in, I don't want to add to that with harboring of unforgiveness and bitterness. There's so much information on this, but I just want to share a few. Unforgiveness is associated medically with the buildup of cortisol. And that's a hormone that deposits around your adrenal gland. Cortisol is known to disrupt normal body functions, digestion, and your immune system. One doctor even, and I'm just going to read their quote. One doctor writes this. I tell my clients all the time, unforgiveness is not worth the cortisol. Our ego wants to sink its teeth into blaming and negativity and tension, but holding a grudge doesn't give you any control over the situation. She says that to her her clients. Doctors are saying that chronic hostility related to unforgiveness stretches your arteries and makes little tears inside the arteries and veins. And these form tiny deposits of scar tissue that can snag things going through the blood and make the blood vessels less flexible. That scar tissue increases the risk of a cardiovascular event, such as a heart attack or stroke. 
Science is discovering that bitterness causes trouble. There are even cancer clinics now that bring in counselors to focus with the patients first on releasing bitterness because it's so connected to the body's ability to fight off unwanted cells. They call them killer cells. So my level of unforgiveness can actually determine the amount of killer cells that are supposed to be in my body to find those unwanted cells. In fact, there's one doctor in Florida who has prescribed to his patients the reading of John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. And that book, I haven't read it yet, but it's on resisting offense, not taking the bait of Satan to be offended. He prescribes his patients to read this book. And there are some testimonies coming out of that of cancer and rheumatoid arthritis being healed. So we see bitterness causes physical trouble. Second, bitterness can also cause spiritual trouble. We know that. Looking diligently that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. What is that, that phrase, falling short of the grace of God? What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. His grace should grip me. God, you gave me everything, and I didn't earn any of it. I didn't deserve any of it. I think it's Paul that calls it the gospel of grace, right? He, Paul, all through his letters to the church, he's gripped by the grace of God. Why? Because that kept him in a place of humility and focus on what God had done for him. There's a focusing in, there's a honing in on the grace of God. I didn't deserve your grace. And when I'm aware and in tune with that, then I'm realizing every day, if I've been given something I don't deserve, surely, surely I can forgive. When we're falling short of his grace, we're disregarding what he's done. And what happens is our hearts become dull. When we live in a way that, in any way, that starts disregarding the sacrifice of Jesus. There's a dullness that comes into our hearts. The sacrifice of Jesus and what he poured out on us is at the center of our walk as a Christian. So when we start disregarding that by not forgiving or harboring hurts, there's a dullness that comes into our hearts. And I can't experience the Holy Spirit's power working in me and the power of his word in my heart if I am allowing bitterness to sit there. This, this phrase, I could see that some may think it was talking of their salvation, that some may not fall short of the grace of God. I don't believe it's talking about salvation. I think it's talking about the vibrancy of your heart before the Lord. How awake are you to his sacrifice? Am I hearing him? When I get before him, What's going on when I spend time with him? Am I vibrant before him? The words directly out of Jesus' mouth in Matthew 6, verse 14, For if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your offenses. That's pretty straightforward. I don't think I need to say very much more, except that if you don't forgive, you're going to have spiritual trouble. Number three, bitterness is reproduced in those that I influence. 
By bitterness, many are defiled, it says. This should be the most weighty point of trouble for us. That's weighty, especially as a parent right now. That's weighty for me. I've apologized to my kids this week on this. If I hear my kids negatively talking about anyone else or each other, that grieves my heart because of this. I'm asking myself, have I cultivated this atmosphere in their lives? In any way, have I made this okay to them? Is there complaining? Is there cynicism in how I'm communicating at home? And if so, I need to repent to them because I don't want to duplicate bitterness in my own kids. Boy, that's something that we're going to have to answer for in eternity. A root of bitterness that defiles many. That word defiles, that's a heavy word. I don't want, to, I don't want my kids to see bitterness and cynicism and even uh, any tinge of gossip is normal. And they are living with me. Your spiritual children, they're with you. Those people that you have influence over that look up to you. Those people that you walk with on a daily basis, they are looking to you as what's normal for a Christian. Normal Christianity. This is weighty. Do you want your hang-ups to be reproduced in your children? And the kids pick it up. And then they are responsible for what they do with it. So if you grew up in a cynical and complaining and uh, gossipy, offended culture, you get to break that cycle. You, you get to do what used to come naturally to you does not anymore. Because you've been made new. You get to break that with Holy Spirit, the great landscaper of your heart. You get to break that normal bitterness. You're responsible. No wonder the writer of Hebrews said, diligently, diligently, see to it diligently that this does not defile many. Because it's a daily thing. Daily, I'm asking myself, what am I cultivating here in my own home? But we need tools. We need tools that help us to diligently detect and know how to resist bitterness. And I think one of the first tools that we need to be aware of is what season of life am I in? We need to recognize if I'm in a life season where I could easily be set up for frustration, what am I doing to prepare my heart? And I did not guard and diligently prepare my heart at the beginning of 2022. We lived in an RV through the winter with four kids. And I could have, I could have said, Lord, this, for any human being except people that grow up in huts, and I'm not one of those people, for any human being on the earth, this is going to be a hard situation. So, Lord, prepare the soil of my heart to not allow bitterness or any frustration that would cause bitterness to come in. I could have done that. But this is, in hindsight, I'm sharing with you, my brothers and sisters, if you know that you're in a season of life that could be frustrating and produce bitterness, you prepare the soil of your heart with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and I want to be bold and say, as your family, as a church family, we are in the middle of a transition as a family. If you're a visitor with us today, um, I want to let you may not know that we are having a new pastor come to us 
from South Africa in March, and we are preparing. We are excited. We are excited as a family, yet there are still questions. The Lord did this very quickly. Though, Pastor Steve, was, I, I hope that you heard uh, January 1st service. If you didn't, go back and listen. Pastor Steve was very clear. There was no immorality. There was no moral failure, because a lot of times that's, that's what's happened when there's a quick transition. No, the Lord just did it very quickly. Very quickly. And if you want to hear more about the confirmation of him bringing Derek to us, it was done very quickly. And there were so many things that perhaps could have been done differently in that decision, yet we couldn't because it was so quick. The Lord is handing us Derek Chester Brown. There's no other description. I, I can't explain it anyway. He's, ha he's handing him to us. Now, what we do with it and how we come around them in grace, that's up to us as a family. But the Lord is bringing him here. And so I want to I bring this up today because it's okay for you to have feelings of uncertainty. It's quick and it's new. And Phil is very shepherding and loving and we've been super blessed by that. But when you have these feelings of uncertainty and these questions, that's a, this is a season of transition. It's okay to feel unsettled, but I want to invite you to come to leadership with those questions. There, there isn't a, a healthy leadership that exists that doesn't allow for the questions. We should have openness. And if there's anything festering in your heart, any misunderstanding that you may not even know is a misunderstanding or a hesitation, come. And if we can't answer it, Phil and Steve will. So have a fun week with that. But the reason that I'm saying this is because we have got to prepare our hearts in the middle of a transition. It's almost a word of warning from me to you. Prepare your heart. Because there's a, there is an accuser of the brethren waiting to use your mouth. In Revelation 12, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And the way he does it on the earth is to use the mouth of the brethren. He wants to use your mouth. He wants, he wants accusing, accusation to become second nature to you. Okay, so first one. Recognize the season that you're in. Here's the second one. Stop ruminating and rehearsing, and this is the phrase that I was hearing, chewing the cud like a cow. Stop chewing the cud of offense in your mind. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians 4, verse 26. Don't let sin, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. A foothold, that's literally meaning a marked off spot. That's what it means in the Greek, a marked off spot. So I, the picture that I got was like a landing strip, lit up, blinking lights. Anger in your heart gives a landing pad for the devil. Don't give place to the devil. I don't want any platform for him in my life. A few months ago, I was in a sozo training over here in the community center. You guys were probably in there with us. And the speaker was saying, she's a grandma. Anytime her grandkids stay with her, 
she, every night when she puts them to bed, she says, hey, is there anyone you need to forgive today? And it was so simple and so sweet, and I just thought, oh, how powerful. She's teaching her grandkids to tend the garden of their hearts, to prevent them from having a platform for the, for the devil to come in and speak lies. And that is, that is a, the replaying, the chewing of the cud of offense. That's a very normal uh, human tendency. In fact, I was, as I was reading some of the medical stuff, the researchers in the field of forgiveness, they call it rumination. And they say that it's one of the ways that people try to understand what happened to them, is to replay it in their mind but they're finding that these thoughts replayed over and over actually send a flood of stress hormones into the body. And they use this language, and I'm going to quote the, the doctor that I was reading. Until our memories are healed, we will continue to be physically affected by what happened to us. So what do I do with those inner conversations? What I'm trying to do in the natural when I'm doing that, when I'm rehearsing that, I'm, what would I say to this person? And then I look at the, the clock and 30 minutes have gone by of some inner conversation or some replaying of what they did to me and why it justifies me being bothered. What I'm trying to do is process it. What the Lord invites me to do is take that to him and repent for allowing that to be my focus and renew my mind. And that's the third tool I want to cover. Renew your mind. Lord, I repent for how much power this offense has had in my life, in my emotions, and I ask for your perspective. I am asking you for your perspective. And we see all through the Psalms, I believe... A lot of the psalms were David doing this with the Lord, or some of the other psalmists doing this with the Lord. I cry to you. I'm giving you my situation. And then you'll find that at the end of a lot of those really negative started psalms, they say, for you are great. Right? There's, a, there's a glory and praise that comes at the end of that when we will take it to the Lord and ask him for his perspective. And what that is, is that's Romans 12 being played out in your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of my mind means I'm going to dwell on your goodness. I'm going to dwell, Lord, on your truth. And I want your glory to shine through me and how I, how I handle the situation. That's renewing my mind. And when I have an invitation to be, uh, to be offended... My answer could be, Lord, remind me of who I am in you. Because a lot of times, our offenses are because we felt personally attacked most of the time. It's an identity issue. Well, what, what must they think of me? Right? It's, it's an, I, mostly, I'm most offended when I think they think wrongly of me. So look at, look at how we can overcome that. If Scripture says that you, Lord, are merciful and gracious and slow to anger, and you're abounding in steadfast love, I'm created to be that too. In fact, that's who I am. I make these declarations. I thank you, Lord, that no one, no matter how much they've misunderstood me or accused me, can change my destiny in you. 
Lord, I thank you that I have divine and untouchable connection with you, with your heart. I thank you that I am free from turmoil. I am free from sin. I am full of grace. I am full of you. And I'm trusting you. See, this is what it says that Jesus did with his accusers. Rather than reviling back, which is what we're doing in our hearts when we're replaying. We think, oh, I haven't reviled back. I haven't done anything back to them. Yes, you have. You've been shouting at them in the mirror in your heart. That's reviling back. Instead of reviling back, Jesus trusted himself to the one, the perfect one. God, I'm trusting your finished work in me and in them. I rest in the knowledge that I'm permanently plugged into heaven. Whether or not I feel like it right now, you're smiling at me even if they aren't. You're smiling at me. I'm basking in your glory. See how this works? There's this taking of that situation to the Lord and resting in his, what he says about you. And that's the renewing of my mind. I love this in Psalm 17. This is the result when we, when we rest in the Lord and when we focus on him. Look at the result. And I, I have this in the Amplified Bible because it's so good. As for me... I will continue beholding your face in righteousness, right? In right standing with you, I'm beholding your face. I will be fully satisfied when I awake. Are you fully satisfied when you wake up? To find myself beholding your form and having sweet communion with you. Isn't that good? That's the result. Wow, that's perfect peace. For a mind that's fully stayed on him, that's not replaying something that happened 20 years ago, that belittled me, that robbed me of something. Well, they robbed me of this, and now my life looks like this because they did that to me. But if I'm fully satisfied when I awake, I'm beholding his form. There's no other way to really be fully satisfied when you wake up, right? I mean... We're not very happy people naturally when we wake up. And isn't this beautifully demonstrated in the life of Jesus when he hung on the cross as a tortured human and was able to say, not just, Father, forgive them, but to release them from their motive. Forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. Can we release people from their motive? Wow, he took it to another level and then he said, in his sermon on, in Matthew 5, I want you not just to pray for your enemies. I want you to bless them. And that's the last step. Would you stand with me? The Lord is inviting us to pray for the ones who have accused us and cursed us. To pray for them. And to bless them. And maybe you even at some point in your life said, I forgive them, yet your heart rate still goes up when that situation comes into your mind. And you're, you have not released them. What that means is you have a bitter root. And it's time today, right now, in this moment, you are here this morning to get rid of any bitter root. We are getting rid of those roots this morning. And here's what happens when I say, okay, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to bless them. Here's what happens. You're dealing with your anger towards them. 
You're getting God's perspective on their heart. And in exchange, he puts his tenderness in you. Would you put your hands out right now? Lord, our heart desire is tenderness. To receive that exchange. That where there was heaviness and perhaps where there was a platform for the devil, I receive in exchange your tenderness and your joy. Your joy. Your joy. Now the Lord is going to start, as you pray for that person or people, the Lord is going to start showing you right now how he wants you to bless them. And it may be somebody you can't go back to, and it wouldn't be safe for you to go back to. But it may be somebody you can go back to, and you, with the Holy Spirit, he's going to start showing you how to bless them, in an extravagant way maybe even. Lord, how can we bless the ones who have hurt us? Can I have the ministry team come up to the front? We just want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity. I wish that we could just sit in this moment for 30 minutes. And you are free to just sit in this moment for 30 minutes if you want. Just let the Lord deal with those hardened places in your heart. But I want to pray this together. I want to pray this together. And if you want to pray this out loud with me, pray it out loud. If you want to put... Um, somebody's name in there. Maybe just say it under your breath. Don't have to say it loud. I want us to ask this. Holy Spirit, is there any root of bitterness in me at all? Is there anything I've allowed to fester? Any cynicism? Any resentment? Teach me how to be diligent to partner with you in tending the soil of my heart. God, I thank you. You forgave me when I didn't deserve it. Because of that, I choose to forgive and you put their name in. And I choose to lay down anger, hurt, and bitterness towards them. Right now, I command any evil spirit that has had a place in my life because of unforgiveness to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free from this prison. I ask you now to fill me with your love. Now just let him fill you right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, wash over us. Baptize us right now, Holy Spirit, with your love in a new way. In a new way. Thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for washing over us with your word this morning. Thank you for touching those places that were hidden. Thank you, Lord, for bringing those things up in my mind and heart, those areas I've allowed. Thank you. We worship you. Just worship him. Thank him for his goodness. We worship you, Lord. Wash over us. Wash over us. Thank you, Lord.
Now we want to invite you right now, if you have kids, to go pick up your children. If you want to come back and be ministered to, you can come back in here with your kids. But we want to invite right now anybody that needs prayer. If you are like, there is just this thing that I cannot let go of, even, even though I know I'm supposed to, and you need somebody to walk through that with you, come to one of these team members, and we want to walk you through. We want to pray with you. If you need healing in your body, still, if you need healing in your body, we invite you to come. And if you have never given your life to Jesus fully, the one who forgives you, and you want to be a disciple of Jesus, one who looks to him for leadership, I want to invite you to come and talk to one of these teams. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for being with us. Family, go and live out the fullness of his love today. Amen? Amen.